You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. In this episode, we're going to be going into a deep dive into the question, does travel time count as material participation if you're using the short-term rental loophole or if you're using the real estate professional status? We've went in depth on both of these topics in previous episodes. So if you've not checked out the rep series or the short-term rental series, go ahead and check those out. If you've already done that, this is going to be a deep dive in the travel. And we'll dive right into that in just one minute after a quick word from Driftwood Capital. Driftwood Capital is a vertically integrated real estate investment firm with a focus on hospitality assets. For more than 25 years, the principals at Driftwood Capital have built deep relationships with brands, lenders, and brokers, unlocking direct access to institutional-grade investments for its network of over 1,500 accredited investors. Driftwood finds deals, completes due diligence, creates the business plan, secures financing, and closes the deal with its own capital. Then Driftwood offers accredited investors the opportunity to invest directly in these deals with a minimum of $50,000, enabling you to create a diverse portfolio that meets your financial goals. It's time to start building your portfolio today. Visit www.driftwoodcapital.com CPA to learn more. Again, that's www.driftwoodcapital.com CPA to learn more. That's all for now. And without further ado, we'll jump right into today's episode. So... Travel time. Does time traveling to and from your rental properties count as material participation for the purpose of the material participation test? That is the crux of the question here for today. We get this question a lot because it's easy time to log, right? If I'm just traveling to my rental properties and I'm spending all this time in the car or even on a plane, that would be great to be able to log those hours because then I could do a lot of trips, (laughs) spend a lot of time in the car or on the planes. And so, so that's kind of where the question comes from, right? So, so remember, we're we're trying to qualify as a real estate professional and or materially participate in our rental properties, and in order to do so, we have to meet quantitative hour tests. So, real estate professional status is seven hundred fifty hours, more time in real estate than anywhere else. Material participation, there are seven tests. The three that we see most often are spend five hundred hours in your rentals, or your participation is substantially all, or you spend 100 hours and more than anyone else. So the question is, well, what what hours count and don't count? How do how do I log these hours and what hours should I be counting towards these quantitative hour tests? And in travel time is always one that comes up. So we're going to talk a little bit about it today. Uh, we're going to go through some tax court cases and also the IRS ATG on travel time. Absolutely. So let's start with the IRS, right? Because the IRS is the first people you're going to have to go through. If you are ever audited, you have to make it through them first before you ever go to tax court, right? So what does the IRS think? All right. So when we pull up the IRS ATG, their passive activity ATG, which is the audit techniques guide that they give their field auditors to actually go out and audit you. So this is the lens or the frame that your auditor is going to be coming through, right? And in the guide, it says generally, Travel time should generally not be considered in computing hourly tests for material participation, particularly if other factors indicate the taxpayer is not participating in the activity on a regular, continuous, and substantial basis. And this is right out of the ATG. This is quoted. What I just said was a quote, unquote. And in the footnotes to the ATG, when they back up this statement, 
they're using this one task court case, Chwowski, uh TC uh, summary opinion 2003-130 as the basis of substantiation for their opinion. And to expand on that travel time explanation in the ATG, they also say, more importantly, travel is not integral to operations in most cases. So what they're saying is, you traveling is not making the property go. It's not It's not helping the property operate. And I know that might seem counterintuitive, but that is their stance. It's not integral to the operations in most cases. And I would say most tax court cases do follow that notion as well, that travel time is not integral to the operations of your rental properties. Yeah, it's generally viewed as a commuting time, which generally isn't material, right? Like with the actual actions you're getting to, like when you're actually at the property or operating the property, that's the time that counts. The travel to and from is not part of the operations of that particular property, if that kind of makes sense. And I also want to clarify too, because I think this can get, it's very confusing when you're first thinking about this. Just because travel time might not count under section 469 as material participation time or real estate professional status time doesn't necessarily mean that the travel is not a business expense, (laughs) right? So you can have a business expense where it was an ordinary necessary expense to run your, your business, but at the same time, it's not integral to the operations of the property. So under section 469, the time's not going to count. And so those two things can both be true at the same time. Yes, a- absolutely. And that that is something to keep in mind, something that often trips a lot of people up. So kind of coming back, you know, we cover with the IRS things, right? The IRS thinks that it's generally not going to be considered. They back this up with a tax court case, the Chorowski case and the Chorowski case, just to kind of shine some more light on that. Uh, the taxpayer drove from his primary residence to his cattle breeding activity, so it wasn't necessarily a real estate activity, but also made frequent personal stops, such as visiting family along the way, and there's other types of stops noted. And the court did not view this as work time, but they rather viewed this as commuting time, as mentioned before, which is considered a personal activity. So that is the IRS's stance. Now, this is just my opinion. If it were me, knowing that, that's enough for me, right? Because if I were going to be using this strategy, right? Just say I was going to be using reps or short-term rentals, like it's a financial move. It's not, I'm not trying to prove the man wrong. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I'm simply trying to save a few bucks on my taxes. And I want to do as clean cut as possible and with as least risk as possible. So I want to minimize the downside risk. So if the IRS believes as travel time does not count and they have it clearly documented, it's also backed up by other tax court cases. So we'll get into that in a second. But I would, that's enough for me to say, you know what, I'm not going to go that far and try to argue with the IRS that travel time does count because, and that's just my opinion on it, because I just don't want to deal with the battle to try to get through the tax court just to maybe have the opportunity to maybe convince the tax court that I'm right. Right. So that's just, that's my, that's, that's where I would stand on this issue right here. Just looking at just based on what the IRS has to say. Right, because you're automatically throwing yourself into this gray area of the code, which introduces more risk, which it's totally up to you to decide to take that risk on or not. But where we often see people trying to log a bunch of travel time uh, in, in education and research time, too, which also does not count, is when they have, I don't know, 400 hours managing their rentals and they need to get another 100 hours to cross that 500 hour threshold. And then then all of a sudden you see, oh, well, I did all this travel and I did all this re- education and research. 
like, well, you know, you, you should have just swung the hammer another hundred hours, right? You should have really just managed your property another hundred hours, not try to inflate your time log through these different buckets of hours that will probably not count when you get audited. Uh, so you're just setting yourself up for for a future failure um, or future loss, which I guess is also a failure if uh, if you do get audited. But there's another tax court case, Lucero versus Commissioner, that was 2020, that, that was tried in 2020. Uh, Lucero had a, a handful, uh, I think it was a couple, maybe two short-term rentals, and they traveled out to visit them, I think it was six to eight times a year. So the trip was over an hour and a half each way, I think. But because of the infrequency of the travel and because it was such a long trip, the tax court basically sided with the IRS and said, yeah, the travel is not integral to the operations of this property. There are some other things going on there with Lucero where you know they were trying to really push different boundaries um, and they lost on those counts as well. So the tax court ruled that for the Lucero case, the travel time was not going to be counting as material participation time for the taxpayer for that year. Yeah. And, you know, just to follow up on that as well, there are some other cases out there. Toops versus Commissioner, I believe it is, and Goshorn versus Commissioner, both 1993 task court cases, where the task court also determined that the travel time did not count. So we're stacking up here with the IRS saying it doesn't count. And we have multiple task court cases now that say that the travel time also doesn't count, which indicates, which indicates at least to me, that if you were to make it past the IRS, you were to make it task court, you're still fighting a very uphill battle in trying to convince somebody that your travel time does count. That's just what I'm seeing here, just based on the evidence presented. Agreed. And, and anybody that works with us, we tell them, look, don't count your travel time. We're not going to be relying on your travel time. If we're going to claim real estate professional status for you because we just know that the likelihood of you losing on travel time is extremely high. But that said, you could potentially count your travel time. Should we talk about lay versus commissioner? Yeah, absolutely. And this is where this is where things get interesting because everybody wants to always hang on to this glimmer of hope as like they're shining light despite <laughs> the mountain of evidence. Despite you got to give people hope, Tom. Yeah. Everybody's got to, <laughs> they got to feel like they can do it. All right. All right. So lay versus commissioner is a 2015 uh, case. She owned and self-managed 12 rentals. She had often traveled to her rental properties, which took up to 55 minutes from her residence to these rental properties. In her case, the task court actually allowed her to count her travel hours towards material participation for the real estate professional status. Now, based on what I could find in the case when I did my research on, on it, was it didn't mention anything about her stopping personally or making any personal stops or she wasn't going on vacation or anything like that while she was traveling. It was strictly to and from her rental properties, and they ended up allowing her to count her hours towards the real estate professional status. So I think that the unique thing about this was that the rentals were all relatively close in proximity to Lay's home and to each other. And the taxpayer was, I believe, like managing, taking multiple trips a week, right? Like this was the, this was the thing that the taxpayer did. Yeah. I think it was money. a full-time um, activity, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 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 So, so, a little bit of a different case, right? If you if you're self managing your rentals and your rentals are all within driving distance, a reasonable driving distance. Uh, we don't know what reasonable is, but I think here it was like 55 minutes. Up to 55 minutes was the trip time. You know, if you're self managing, you're bouncing around your rentals multiple times a week. Then, in theory, you could say your travel is integral to the operations of the property because you're self managing. And if you didn't go and make the repairs, if you didn't travel out and make those repairs, 
then the repairs would not get done. But that's very different from like a Lucero case that we just mentioned where, yeah, they went out six to eight times a year to make repairs. But the reality was, is that per my understanding, the travel was not integral to the operation because the rentals were still operating perfectly fine without them making those six to eight trips a year to manage the property. So if you're just if you're just making a trip to your rental one or two times a year, the travel time is not going to count. It's got to be so ingrained in your day to day operation that this is the way that I think about it. The travel time has to be so ingrained in your day to day operations that without it, your rentals, your operations would fail. So if you're able to self-manage at a distance without having to go and visit the property consistently, then the travel time is not going to be so ingrained in your operations that if you didn't have the travel, your operations would fail because you're doing fine managing from a distance. And that was what I think nailed Lucero in that tax court case. Yeah, it was really, if you really read Lucero, if you go take a look at it, it's really, it smells like a passive activity. It's a written all over it. They were they had a property manager, all this stuff. But in Lay, you know, she was self-managing. She she was doing the operation. It, there was no third parties there. So But I even like, want to I even want to clarify though, because like I, I have a I have a I have a home at the beach um that we Airbnb and VRBO. And I self-manage it. I self-manage it with hospitable and uh, I guess really just, oh, hospitable and price labs. Price labs is sweet, by the way. It's awesome because it's like a, it auto updates your prices. Anyway, sidebar. So I have this, I have this rental and it's, it's two and a half hours away from my house in Raleigh. So it's, it's a really easy drive. I can pop over on a weekend, which is part of the reason we got it. But there's no way that I can count that travel time as material participation because the travel like going and looking at the property or going and visiting the property is not integral to the operations. I can manage the property from a distance totally fine. I might need to pop down there to change fixtures every once in a while, maybe do some repairs, but it's not that is not preventing me from renting the property at high rates during the high season. So even though we visit it multiple times a year, even though we self-manage it because it's so far away and because the travel is not necessary to run the property on a day-to-day basis. The travel time is not material participation time. That makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a nice distinction of how to think about it, like how to d- differentiate it. Like, yeah, if you have to just hop on a plane to go <laughs> visit your check on your property in another state, chances are it's not going to be considered material participation, which I know is a question that a lot of people are going to have, like probably not going to be able to count that um, just given what we have here from yeah. the IRS and the tax court cases that are available. And somebody might be stuck right now. Like you might be thinking, well, what if I buy a 40 unit apartment complex and I have to go fly out every single week to monitor the repairs and the improvements and the CapEx and all that stuff? You know, you're probably going to hit the material participation just by being on the ground anyway and doing all of that. <laughs> so right. the travel time is not going to help you anyway. So yeah, so this is really, the travel time not counting is really going to be for professionals People who are running, uh, if you have a W-2 job or you're running a business and you're investing in rental real estate on the side and that rental real estate, if you're not self-managing, the travel time is definitely not going to count. But if you are self-managing, you got to kind of think about my situation where I could do 95% of the management from a distance. I don't need to be on the ground. So that means that I visit the property a couple times a year. And because it's so infrequent, it's not integral to the operations of the property. Right, right. So the question is, everybody's wondering next probably, is, okay, so what do we do, right? Here's what I typically recommend to clients, right? All right, because we know that travel time can count maybe under certain situations, when you're creating your time logs, right, 
you want to view your material participation or your hours towards the real estate professional status without your travel time, right? So you have your spreadsheet, you have your time tracking tool, you have all your tags, still track your travel time. So you have it just in case, but understand that it's more likely than not, not going to qualify in many cases. So just remove it, but then you always have it there in case you ever do need it in the event of an audit or a tax, you make a tax court. It does make sense. You, your accountants and your, your attorneys, everybody who is involved in that case determine that it does make sense to present that as evidence or whatever the case is um, in front of the authorities. We'll catch you on the next episode of the tax smart REI podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.